Our first reading comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 and verse 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and of, of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In his own image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and of the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a sixth day. The word of the Lord. The second reading comes from Galatians 3, verses 24 through 29. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Friends, we're gathered here this evening to worship, to pray, to celebrate, to commune together in response to the love of Christ and certainly uh, to the work of the enemy that occurred in Charlottesville this past weekend and in response to the enemy's work in our world and in our current cultural climate. And make no mistake here, this is the work of the enemy. Jesus made this clear in John 10.10 10 when he said that the thief, the enemy, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus, our shepherd king, comes to gather his flock. He comes that we all, all of us, red, yellow, black, and white, might have life in him. As Jesus said in the second part of John 10.10, 10, I came that they might have life and that they might have life abundantly. So we seek the Lord of life this evening. We renounce the work of the enemy, and we come together as one to worship our God and King, who is alone worthy and who is alone supreme. Our Bishop John Guernsey this week has also called us to prayer regarding these horrific events in Charlottesville. Bishop Guernsey has called us to pray and to intercede for our communities that are in deep conflict, reminding us of Psalm 145 and the hope that we have as we pray that the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fill, 
fear him and also hears the cry of them and saves them. Please join me in praying for the community of Charlottesville, for all the communities of our nation that face conflict, and for our world that the Lord may deliver us from any sense, in every sense, of self-supremacy, from bigotry and violence, and bring healing and salvation to all people in the nation, in our nation, and in the world. Let's pray. Almighty God, who created us in your image, grant us grace fearlessly to contend against evil, to make no peace with injustice or oppression, that we may reverently use our freedoms, help us to employ it in the maintenance of justice in our communities and among the nations, to the glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. So tonight's sermon title is The Enemy's Work, Self-Supremacy, and the Supremacy of Christ. The first murder was Cain and Abel, where we see someone feeling superior or supreme over another. I hope it goes without saying as we begin this evening, and I know it does, it's this preaching to the choir, but hate, bigotry, and racism are incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime we make ourselves supreme or put ourselves above God and his word or above our neighbor, we're subverting the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is self-supremacy, it's idolatry, making ourselves God, and it is an affront to our Lord who has created all of us, all people, in his own image. Genesis 1 is clear. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, and created them, and God blessed them, and God saw everything that he made, and he called it good, everything. And God has made all people from every tribe, tongue, and nation from one person, Adam, and he made them all in his own image. But we know this. That's why we're here. Do we not know this? Is this not why we're all here gathering, praying? This is just preaching to the choir, I know. But we did get to this moment in our history somehow, and it grieves me, and it probably grieves you. Maybe, maybe that's what you feel, grief. Maybe you feel anger. Maybe you feel sick to your stomach. Maybe you feel outrage. And we should be outraged at the events that occurred in Charlottesville this past weekend. We should be outraged, but we should also be outraged at the potential in each of us to sin, to hold ourselves supreme. I know I do it. Let me tell you a little story about my roots. I'm from a little Southern Baptist church in South Carolina. I'm the grandson of a Baptist preacher who planted one of the first integrated churches in the South. Still to this day, it's integrated fully. And this is the racist South of the 1960s. And you would think that this church would have a handle on people being created in the image of God. 
But in this point in the nation's history, it didn't. My grandfather, an associate pastor of First Baptist Church in Columbia and a church planter of this church that I told you that I grew up going to, he got himself into a whole lot of trouble with the elders and the pastors of that church, which would be considered a mega church in our day. The pastoral team pulled my grandfather aside because they had heard that he had used his baptismal pool, their baptismal pool, to baptize an African-American. And when confronted and questioned, the pastor said, Howard, we heard that a black person was baptized here last Sunday night. Is that true? My grandfather said, nope, that's not true. And the man said, praise God, Howard, I knew that you wouldn't do it. I knew that you wouldn't do it. At which time my grandfather replied, we baptized three black families in this church on Sunday night. That is the legacy that I want to live into. But I failed so many times, even in my own life, with the things that I've said and done that has been contrary to the gospel. But my grandfather, he took a stand and he stood up to racism, which is counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the biblical truth that all people are created in the image of God and the truth that for God so loved the world. I mean, I thought because I grew up in an integrated church, I came to Northern Virginia and walked into the Episcopal Church, the first one that I served at in Northern Virginia, and my first thought was, where are the people of color? That was my first thought. Where, where, where are they? Because this was not an integrated church. This was not what I was used to. It actually took me going to Haiti and being a minority to understand my own white privilege and to understand what it meant to be discriminated against. The, the rebel flag flew over our state house all through my high school years. I got to watch it come down on sabbatical one summer. And this is close to home for me because I know my heart and it is deceitful above all else. I've had to repent for some of the, my, the things that I've even done and said, asking forgiveness from a brother even this afternoon. As Christians, we want to be emphatic about what we believe, and we want to respond to what is going on in our world and to the news of the day, both Christianly and biblically. We do not want to be silent, as some have accused to be silent is to be complicit. We must be clear on what we believe as Christians and speak and act accordingly. The Anglican Multi-Ethnic Network released a statement which was rightly reposted by our own Archbishop, Bishop Foley Beach, which sums up what we believe as Anglicans in reference to what has occurred here this week. More importantly, this statement accurately reflects what the scriptures say regarding the things that have happened this week. The statement reads, we want to make it abundantly clear that as Anglicans, we believe that all people were created in the image of God. And as image bearers, all are worthy of equal dignity and respect. 
God does not value one ethnicity above another. His son shed his blood for us all. We find our meaning and value in his death and resurrection and ascension for us, which both humbles and exalts people of all ethnicities. Christ is the source of our reconciliation with God and with one another. White supremacy, therefore, is an affront to the gospel, which, because it speaks against the Anglican and the wider Christian doctrines of creation, salvation, and ecclesiology, that one people of God are called from all ethnicities of the earth. Racism and white supremacy have no place in Anglicanism, and I would add, racism and white supremacy have no place in Christianity. There is one who is supreme, and that is our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. I love how Matt Chandler put this. He said that heaven will be a white supremacist hell because everybody's going to be there. Read Revelation 7. Every tribe, tongue, and nation will be there. And a white supremacist wouldn't even want to hang out with the real Jesus because he's brown not white. He's got color. He's not Caucasian. Scripture is clear that Christ alone is supreme. As in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, he said, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be supreme. He might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things in heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Esau Macaulay makes the point that Christ is supreme, therefore the church is for the gospel and against all other false gospels, including the false gospel of self-supremacy or white supremacy. In his article, Letter from Berlin, Lessons from, of History and Heresy of Racial Superiority, Albert Moeller says it this way, we must see claims of racial superiority and mainly that means claims of white superiority as heresy. Moeller continues asserting that heresy is not a word we use casually. Here it leads to the denial of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what heresy does. The eclipse of the living God as the revealed in our Bible. A claim of white superiority is not merely wrong and not merely deadly, it is a denial of the very glory of God in creating all of humanity. Every single human being in his own image. It is a rejection of God's glory in creating humanity of different skin pigmentation. It is a misconstrual of God's judgment and glory in creating different ethnicities. Most urgently, it is a rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the great good news of God's saving purpose and the atonement accomplished by Jesus Christ. A claim of racial superiority denies our common humanity, our common sinfulness, and our common salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and God's purpose to create a new humanity in Christ. Moeller concludes, we cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and hold to any notion of superiority. It is impossible. As Christians, we understand these truths, don't we? If this is indeed just preaching to the choir, then where do we go from here? How do we respond to our cultural climate today? That's a good question. What can we do? Many of you are here because you're asking, what do we do? Esau McCauley says in his article, say it with your chest, proclaiming the supremacy of Christ in face of white supremacy. He's basically saying here, um, the gospel is the answer, as he says the following. The hate that affects the hearts of people inside and outside of the church is a burden too heavy for even them to bear. We need to tell racists the truth that they can be free too. I mean, I, I struggle with this. I had a, a doctor's appointment today and I was, you know, you know, just leaning into the doctor about this moment right now saying, you know, I'm going to talk about the image of God, but what I'm really struggling with is those people that did this in Charlottesville were created in God's image too. They need Jesus too. Macaulay says, as glorious as the gift of ethnicity is, it is not enough. Whiteness is not salvific. It is not the grand unifier and hope of the world. Someone else claimed that job when he loosed the bonds of death and proclaimed his supremacy over all things. When the word became flesh in the Messiah, Jesus, that was no unequivocating word. God spoke from his chest, his heart, about the love of all creation, all creation. So what are some ways that we can make a difference and get involved in Alexandria as members of our community or as members of this church, Christ the King Anglican? How can we make an impact on our world and our city for the glory of Jesus Christ? In his article, Race, the Gospel, and the Moment, Tim Keller challenges us with three brief points. I'm going to share these with you as we close. First, Christians should look at the energized and emboldened white nationalism movement and at its fascist slogans and condemn it. Full stop, he says. We must speak out, which is what I hope we're doing here right now. Um, secondly, this is a time to present the Bible's strong and clear teachings about the sin of racism and of idolatry and of a blood and country. We must maintain a biblical worldview. That's what he's saying in short. And thirdly, and lastly, Keller says, it is absolutely crucial to speak up about the biblical teaching on racism. Not just now, but routinely, we need to make those in our circles impervious to any toxic teaching. We must stand up against falsehood, heresy, 
and speak the truth in love. Also, I have a few more suggestions we can add. If you see something, say something. If it's counter to biblical truth, prayerfully consider saying something in response. This happened to me just last night. And I'm setting up a meeting with this person to sit down with them one-on-one to have a conversation. Part of our mission statement here at Christ the King is to make Christ known by what we say and by what we do. And we should prayerfully respond with the love of Christ by both what we say and by what we do, even to, and I would say especially to, our enemies who also need the good news of Jesus Christ. For once we were all enemies of Jesus Christ and he has welcomed us into his family as his children. We can also engage with people in our community who are different from us um, or from different cultures than we are from. A good way to do this is through our One Alexandria ministry, visiting different churches in our city and coming to know our, and love our neighbor. How can we love our neighbor if we haven't met them? We can also volunteer or mentor with our ministry partners, Casa Chirilagua or the Carpenter Shelter. Many of you are already doing that. These are just a few ideas, and you may be thinking of something more specific that you can do right now. Maybe it's a conversation that you know you need to have. Maybe there's a neighbor that you need to get to know. Maybe there is reconciliation that you need to seek out. Whether God is calling you to do whatever God is calling you to do this evening, whether it be any of the things I mentioned or what God has put specifically on your heart, I pray that you will respond prayerfully with God's love and grace. Amen. I want to close with uh, a benediction from Ephesians 2 and a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, for he has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new person in the place of two. So making peace so that he might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, therefore killing all hostility. Let's pray. Almighty God, kindle, we pray, in every heart, true love of peace. And guide with your wisdom those who take counsel for the nations of the earth, that in tranquility your dominion may increase until the earth is filled with the knowledge of your love through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of of the Holy Spirit. Lord God Almighty, you have made all the people of this earth for your glory to serve you in freedom and in peace. Give to the people of your country zeal for justice and the strength and the forbearance that we may use our liberty in accordance with your gracious will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.